brother or your sister. Um, recently, uh, I had a conversation with an individual who was sharing with me. They had gotten into it with someone else, and they wanted revenge. And this happened just this week. Uh, I, I just want to say, as a preface, that it is none of you out there, and it is not me, okay? Because um, I know some of you, you know how like, sometimes when the pastor's preaching a sermon, everybody's looking around like, I wonder who it is. Um, and so, here, here's basically what happened. Somebody I'd ran into was, and, and they knew that I was a pastor, was sharing some stuff with me, and, and they wanted revenge, and the way they wanted to get revenge um, was probably not the, the, the Christian way, okay? And so they said, Pastor Matt, I know what I need to do. I just need to kill him with kindness. And I thought, how, how does a pastor answer that? Like, um, I mean, like for, for example, man, that is true, right? We are supposed to, I mean, in that, that's like one of the fruits of the Spirit is kindness, right? But is it really kindness when you're wanting revenge? That's what I was wrestling with. So like, really, they're just kind of saying, I'm going to be kind to you because I'm really angry at you. And that's kind of manipulative, isn't it? Now, let's be honest. We've all done this, right? Oh, man, you are quiet. I hit a nerve, didn't I? We've all done this where we're like, you know what? I am going to be better than you. And I'm going to show the love of Christ to you because I'm so mad. I'm going to show the love of God. Woo, that's a dangerous place to be. Okay? But we do that. And so Jesus has something to say about this matter. Okay? And in Luke chapter 6, I had already read to you the first portion uh, in the New Testament reading. But, but here's what Jesus has to say with the rest of it in verse 27. Okay? Jesus says, but to you who are listening, I say. Now, one of the things I love about Jesus when he says something like that, he's implying that there's some that are there that are not listening. Okay, But to you that are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, Turn to them the other also. Let me stop right there. Do not manipulate that verse. Women, if you feel like slapping your husband, and you slap him, and you go back and you say, Jesus said, now let me slap the other side. That is not what that means. All right? So he says, he goes on, he says, If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to someone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Man, I've heard that so many times in my life. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Verse 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to re be repaid in full. But love your enemies. 
do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this teaching. And now, Lord, I pray that this teaching will affect us and transform us. Lord, help us to meditate upon what your word is saying. Help it to sink deep into our souls. And may the meditations of our heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you, Christ the King. Amen. So let me give you just a quick outline of the direction I'm going with this, because I know some of you are probably... If you saw what I'm speaking on this morning, the title of my sermon, it may have thrown you off a little bit where it says, do to Jesus as Jesus has done to us, okay? And some of you are thinking, well, maybe that was a misprint because verse 31 says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? But I want to show, I, I want to give you a new perspective on this, okay? And so, first of all, the area I'm going to take us is into the fact that Christian victims don't victimize, Okay? So we're going to talk about that first. Christian victims don't victimize. And then we're going to go into what, um, what I believe is the hinge verse, which is verse 31, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Because I think that if we pay attention, not only where that verse is of what it says before and what it says after it, um, it gives us a new perspective, which is do to Jesus as you would have uh, or do unto Jesus as you would have Jesus do unto you, okay? And so I think it gives us a little bit of a new perspective. And so then we're going to close out with the attitude that God desires from us, okay? And, and what God has called us to. So with that being said, let's talk first of all about the fact that Christian victims don't victimize. Okay, now going back to my earlier illustration of how many of you want revenge, okay, we would all say that we have been in a situation where we wanted revenge. In my household, okay, um, when something happens and I am not treated right, and I feel like I'm not treated right, sometimes I will want revenge, okay? Now, let me explain this in a way that perhaps some of you will understand this. Um, in my household growing up, okay, I was disobedient to my mother um, one time. That's it. Uh, no, several times. And my mother was the type of person, God bless her, um, she wouldn't argue. Well, she would start arguing with you, and then when she realized it wasn't getting anywhere, she would stop arguing completely, okay? And I had upset my mother over something, and the argument had gone back and forth for a little bit, and then my mother wanted revenge, okay? And let me tell you how she went about this, and she did this often. She gave me what's known as the silent treatment. Do y'all know what that is? Some of you know what a silent treatment is. Some of you use that, don't you? Um, basically, what that is is um, when... My mother was upset with me, and I come back and say, hey, Mom, I'm, listen, I'm sorry with the way I handled it. My mother acted like I wasn't even there. 
there was one particular time my mom was so angry with me um, that Laura and I went out to eat with her and dad, and it was just the four of us. And the whole meal, I sat right across from my mother and tried and tried and tried to have a conversation with her. To which she acted like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Um, she gave me the silent treatment. Now, if you have ever been a victim of the silent treatment, just raise your hand, okay? All of you, right? That is like the worst card you can play. Because you know what happens is when somebody is silent to me, I go and do what I know is going to upset them even more. And we all do that, right? Because we fall into that. We think to ourselves, okay, if, I, if you're going to make me the victim, then I'm going to make you the victim. And it's just like this cycle that keeps going back and forth. And Jesus is addressing this because he knows we in our human nature want to get back to people. We want to get back at them. And so Jesus is saying, in a nutshell here, Christian victims, when someone has done you wrong, you don't go and do something to victimize them. So he gives this whole teaching on this of saying, you have a choice, folks. Glenn and I were riding yesterday, and we were just talking about how God had choices. Okay, um, For example, God chose the Jewish people, didn't he? He also chose to give up his only begotten son, okay? God had choices, and as Glenn said yesterday, God's also given us choices. And he tries to tell us, in the midst of the choices you have, let me tell you the best choice to make. And so in this, he tells us this, you can love or you can have enemies. The choice is yours. He also says, you can do goodness, and you can have goodness in your heart, or you can have hate in your heart. Now, just for a moment, let's just pause on that. The number of Christians that I know, okay, who are good Christians, but they have hate in their heart towards other people is astronomical, folks, okay? Because chances are we've all been hurt by someone in the past, and we allow that hurt to turn into hate. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Don't let that happen. You have a choice in the matter. Okay? You have a choice in the matter. You could choose goodness over the hate. He then goes on and says, you could choose blessing over cursing. Okay? Now, isn't that interesting when, um, when we can look at a situation and... We could say, I can either bless this person or I can curse this person. When I was in middle school, I know this may be hard for y'all to believe, but I was made fun of pretty bad. And, um, and it got so bad that I went to speak with one of my mentors, okay? And shared with my mentor, who at the time was a grown man with a family of his own, but he had grown up in a pastor's home. And he had told me, I told him what was going on, that I was being made fun of a lot. And he said, you know what, one of the things you need to do is you need to stand up to these people. He said, you know what, next time they treat you bad, I want you to just cuss them out. I thought, man, this is an awesome mentor. 
that's not what you're expecting, right? So sure enough, I thought, man, my Christian mentors told me this is okay. And so I went to school, carried my, it was going to lunch, carrying my cafeteria tray. And there was a group of guys that I was going to sit with. And I sat down, this is much like Forrest Gump on the school bus. I sat down and they said, hey, that seat's saved. And I looked at him and I said, I don't, and I'm not going to fill in the rest of it. Okay? To which he responded, oh, cool, man. Yeah, you can sit here with us now. And I was like, man, that worked. Do you know how guilty I felt, though? And then I started thinking, if I have to do this to have friends or for them to accept me, I don't want that. I don't want that. Because what I learned in that was I could either bless them or curse them. And if they take a curse as a blessing, that is not the place I want to be. And it is a choice. And we have that choice. So we can also either pray or we can mistreat is what the scripture says. Now, pray or mistreat. When's the last time when you and your spouse got into an argument and you stopped in the midst of your argument and instead of mistreating and, and going back and forth at each other, you said, hey, let's just pray about this. You have the choice, right? But we often don't choose that. Or a colleague at work, when, you want, when they've done something bad to you and you want to go to all your other colleagues and tell them just how bad that person is, we could, instead of mistreating them, go and pray for them. Then you have the turning of the other cheek. Okay? So when somebody strikes you, what are you supposed to do? Turn the other cheek? Or you could strike them back. Right? Now, that's one of the things we've struggled with, even in our household, where we've gotten discussions. Here, Hannah's been telling me that at her school, which uh, some of you will know at, at Ledford, there's been like a fight every week, okay, among these kids, every week. Um, luckily, Hannah's not gotten in any, but uh, I just wanted to clarify that. But, um, I mean, there's been a fight every week. And so Hannah and, and Natalie and stuff, you know, you get into these parent discussions of, well, what do you do if someone hits you? The answer I rarely hear from parents is, you know what, if somebody hits you, I want you to turn the other cheek and let them hit that one too. We rarely hear that, do we? Most of the time we hear them say, if they hit you, you just haul off and you beat the tar out of them. Don't we? Okay? But it's a choice. And Jesus is speaking on this, saying, hey, as a Christian, Christian victims don't victimize. That you're still proclaiming the gospel even when someone strikes you. Okay? And then we have the issue of giving or stealing. And you have the choice between giving and being a blessing to people or stealing and taking away from people. Now that can go in a wide range of varieties. Okay? So, for example, you can give to God or you can take away from God. And you know that Christ him, or God himself spoke highly about tithes and offerings. 
Tithe is what he requires of us. An offering is above and beyond that. And, that, and in Malachi, he even goes as far as saying that you have robbed me in not giving your tithes, that which he requires. So there's not only giving and stealing from other people, it's also even towards God. Okay? Now, I want to give you a, just a very practical um, illustration. This actually happened. Some of you know this story. Uh, you've probably seen the movie itself. How many of you have seen the movie The End of the Spear? Anybody? Okay, some of you have seen it. Okay, I would, I would encourage you to rent that movie. Okay, The End of the Spear. What it's about is a missionary that went and was proclaiming the gospel to an indigenous tribe. While in doing so, okay, um, he, and his, uh, he and his wife and his child were there, but he flew into, while he was in this other country, he flew into this tribe to share the gospel with them. While he was there, one of the tribesmen killed the man. Okay? Killed him. Years pass by, and the son of that missionary grows up, finds out which man in the tribe had killed his father. Now you would think that in a situation like that, that you would be filled with hate, you would want to curse, you would want to mistreat, you would probably want to strike that gentleman. But the missionary's son did the opposite of that. He did exactly what Jesus is talking about here, okay? And in doing so, this tribesman becomes a Christian. And they have traveled all around the U.S. and other parts of the world proclaiming the gospel together and giving a beautiful picture of what it means to forgive. Now, folks, a reason why I share that with you is because I want you to know that these things that Jesus is teaching are not impossible. Do you hear me? That they're very possible, but it's against our culture. Our culture says you need to do all that, you need to retaliate. And God says, you don't need to retaliate. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, right? And so we have to trust in God more than we trust in ourselves. Which brings me to verse 31, which says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's the hinge verse. So in the first part, we have Jesus speaking of how we treat other people. But if you read past 31, if you read verses 32 down all the way through verse 36, especially verses 35 and 36, you'll notice that Jesus starts adding in something pretty interesting. That we do these things because we are children of the Most High, he says. And then he goes on, he says, we are kind because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And then we are merciful in verse 36 because our heavenly Father is merciful. And so it goes away from, this, this verse in verse 31 goes from, hey, this is how you should treat people to now it's the reason why you treat people is because this is the way your heavenly Father is. Which brings me to the question of what if we were to see this verse as, I wonder if God was giving us a glimpse of his character. 
so that in the way that God treats others may in fact be what God expects from us as well towards him. So think about it from this perspective. Jesus has done to others as he would have them do unto himself. Have you ever looked at, have you ever applied that verse to Jesus? That Jesus would do unto others as he would have others do unto himself. Now think about this for a moment. If you look in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, Jesus is teaching about the sheep and the goats, and he says the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me as well. So we see this connection of where Jesus is saying, hey, how you treat others is the way you treat me as well. But when you really start to apply this verse to Jesus, I know some of you who are analytical thinkers like me, you begin to say, wait a minute, Matt, that doesn't quite work. So are we to forgive God the way God forgives us? Well, how do you forgive someone who's never sinned, right? Or pray, right? How do you pray for the one that you pray to, right? You get what I'm saying? So it doesn't really fit in that category. So how can we apply this and understand that we are to do to Christ as Christ has done to us? And in order to find an answer to that, you have to flip to other passages in the Scripture. And one in particular is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to turn there real quick. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And this is where it shares with us the attitude that God desires from us. Because in this verse, we begin to see how God has treated us But it also tells us that God expects the same from us. The way he has treated us, he expects that same attitude from us. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, I'm going to read through 8. It says this, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's a convicting verse right there. Okay? Your attitude as a Christian should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. When we look at a passage like that, then we can begin to understand of Jesus has done unto us what he wants us to do unto him in at least two particular ways. One, Jesus has come to serve us, didn't he? You remember in, in the passage of Scripture where, it said, where Jesus is teaching, he said, um, I'm not come to be served, but to serve. Do you remember that? And then we see it again in this beautiful Christological hymn where it says that he took on the nature of a bondservant. Okay? Took on the nature of a servant. And so here we see Christ himself served us 
as a servant. And then it's calling us to serve him just as he has served us. Do you see that? Just as Jesus has served us, he wants us to serve him. Do unto Christ as Christ has done unto you. Are you following me? You follow me? And, and Jesus even backs this up in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 through 28. Listen to this. He says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So we see one way that we can serve Jesus, that we can do unto Jesus as Jesus has done unto us, is to serve him. And in this, uh, in the, in this same passage, the second way we can do unto Jesus as Jesus has done unto us is death. Okay? And just listen to me. Death. That is not a word that we like to hear, is it? But did Christ die for us? He did, didn't he? So just as Christ has died for us, Christ also desires for us to die for him. Now, many people have died as martyrs, okay? And by the way, not all of you here, okay, perhaps none of us, will die as a martyr. So how can we die as Christ has died for us? And the answer is simple. We die to self. And that is something Christ calls all of us to. Every single one of us are called to die to self. As Christ died for us, we too must die for Christ. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. So here we have Christ, another beautiful example. As Christ has picked up his cross for us, he has also called us to pick up our cross for him. Are you seeing the connections, church? Okay? And I'm praying that you have a brand new perspective on do unto others as, as you would have them do unto you, okay? Because it's not all about, man, the way I want people to treat me. It's much more about, hey, I serve a God who's much bigger than me. And I do unto other people the way Christ has done unto them. Do you hear me in that church? And because Christ is merciful, I will offer mercy. Because Christ offers forgiveness, I will offer forgiveness to others. So it's a whole new perspective. It's not so much about the way we want to be treated as much as it is about the example that God has given us of how we should treat others. I recently read a story that I want to share with you in relation to this because most of you, if you're, if you're normal, you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, Pastor Matt, that's great, but man, that is a big boat to get moving. And I'm not so sure I can live that out. Okay? And in fact, I might can start getting it going just a little bit, but it ain't going to move very far. Okay? So I recently heard a story. This happened in the early 1900s, but uh, a, an old, old gentleman 
was walking and he, he noticed a big, big machine. And it was, I mean, it was a giant locomotive. And it was shooting puffs of smoke up into the air. You know those kind, right? And this old man walks up and he just sees this large, massive piece of steel that we call a train. And he says, there's no way they'll ever get that thing moving. I mean, it's too big. How could they ever get it moving? And he's sitting there and he's watching. He's just amazed. And finally it starts going. And he's amazed. He's like, whoa, that thing is moving. I would never have thought it. He said, and he kept watching. It got going faster and faster until finally it just took off down the railway. To which the old man then said, Lord, they will never stop it. Okay? Once you get it going, it will not stop. Okay? It's too big to get it to stop. You know, and I read that story and I thought to myself, isn't that kind of the way it is with the life of Christ? We look at it at first and we think, man, that is too big. There's no way I can live the Christ-like life that he's calling me to. But once the Holy Spirit gets in us and starts helping us to live that out, that train starts to move. And the more that we die to self, okay, and the more that we serve Christ and we serve others, that train starts moving faster and faster, and I think the enemy gets afraid. And I think the enemy will eventually say, when that train gets moving, there's no stopping it now. And that's the kind of Christian I want to be. I want to be the kind of Christian that Satan says there's no stopping him now. And I want us to be a church that Satan is saying there's no stopping them now. You hear me? But the only way we can do this is if we surrender it to the Holy Spirit and we say, God, take over. And we start transforming our mindset of it's all about me and how people treat me to no, I don't do unto others the way I want them to do unto me. I do unto others the way Christ has told me to do unto them because of my love for Christ. Are you following me, church? If you would stand with me, I'm going to ask the praise band to come up. And we're going to pray together, and then they're going to close us in a song. Dear Heavenly Father, we have been challenged this morning to make Christianity less about us and more about you. Lord, we pray that you will help us when we become victims, not to victimize others. And we also pray, Lord, that you will help our attitude to be the same as your attitude. Transform the way we live. And Lord, we pray that you will get this train moving so fast that Satan will look at us as a church and as individuals and say, there's no stopping them now. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen.